Good morning, brothers and sisters. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I am Mark Hedegar. I'm blessed, honored, humbled to be the pastor at Salisbury Center in Middleville United Methodist Churches, where we expect miracles, recognize miracles, and celebrate miracles together. Uh, just a heads up this morning, it is Communion Sunday, so if you're at home, uh, grab some stuff together for a love feast. The uh, a cracker or something, some juice or, or milk or whatever you want. This morning's memory verse comes from Psalm 32. Psalm 30, verse 2. It reads, Oh, Lord my God, I cry to you for help, and you have healed me. Let us pray. Father God, we begin today by giving you thanks. Your love endures forever. It never fails. Eternal God, you are our rock. You are the firm foundation for everything we build. You give gifts to your people for the good of the church. You equip and train your people to carry out the good works you've prepared for us in advance. As we meet today, we ask that you would provide wisdom, guidance, and direction. Remind us that you're our loving ally. You are our fortress. You are our tower of strength, and you are our rescuer. Everything we need is found in you. Though there are many ways in which we've failed, we've not exceeded the supply of your mercy and grace. We thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word. As we open the Bible today, we pray that we would hear your voice. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be at work, opening our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word. May we be transformed into your likeness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If you would please join me in the call to worship. Sing praises to God, O you saints of God. We give thanks to God's holy name. Praise God for the gift of a new day. We thank God for healing and ever-present help. Praise the one who upholds us when we are discouraged. God sees and hears our weeping. God lifts our souls from the pit of despair. We give thanks to God who turns mourning into dancing. Praise God who hears our cries and answers our prayers. We believe our Father God is working to make us whole. Amen. This morning's Lady Scripture comes from Acts 9, verses 1 through 20. And I hope you're opening your Bibles at home as we do these readings, Acts 9, 1 through 20. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, because they heard the voice, but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground and Though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. 
So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. Praise God. This is a word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You have to bear with me this morning. I am uh, recording it, and my voice is a little bit gruffy from all the yelling and screaming yesterday. Uh, that's good yelling and screaming and add singing in that. I was on that men's retreat up at Camp Aldersgate. There were about I don't know, 25 to 30 men that uh, that went to the, the retreat Friday night and Saturday. And it was amazing. I am just filled with joy. The Holy Spirit was just, the Holy Spirit just filled that place. Men were so fired up. There were cheers and tears and a lot of loving. We were loving on each other and, and a lot of food and a lot of snacks, unfortunately. That that happens every time, too. If you missed it, we have another one in September. Uh, I I just can't emphasize enough how special that is. So if you can make it, please get a hold of me and I'll make sure you're taken care of. So obviously we're in joys and concerns this morning. Um, I understand there was a suicide uh, over the weekend while I was gone, a uh, local suicide, and boy, oh boy, we we lift that family in prayer. We, you know, we have suicides that were a part of our history in our family, and, and uh, it just never goes away. So please, please, please pray for those who, who knew him, um, and especially the family. And we need to somehow figure out how to be on alert for this, when people need help, that uh, that we would pray that the Holy Spirit would show us somebody that that is in need, that's hurting so bad, that they just don't see any other way out, because we know that uh, we know the suffering that goes on behind that. So keep the family in your prayer, please. And like I said, just pray for that wisdom. Pray that the Lord would show us somebody. That being said, let us pray. 
Father God, we praise you in advance for our healing because we know our divine healing comes directly from you. It is you who will take away all sickness from us and none of the diseases that have filled us have been inflicted on us by you because we are your children and we know you love us. Lord, we will not worry. Instead, we thank you in advance for our healing. Father God, we declare healing over our lives today because healing has been freely given to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. The word which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee tells of how you anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for you were with him. We pray for healing, God. We know you are with us also, and through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we too have the Holy Ghost and power to heal. Amen. The title to this morning's message is Present and Attentive. Present and Attentive. Last week we discussed a quiet but timely arrival of Jesus at Lake Tiberia, where some of the apostles were out fishing. We agreed they went back to their old ways or what they thought they knew best before they met their Messiah. John 21, 4 tells us Jesus showed up on that shore while they were fishing. It reads, just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach. We pointed out that not only did the apostles fail to recognize Jesus in the flesh, they failed to recognize his voice twice. We again agreed they were only finally able to recognize him through his works. He made the suggestion that perhaps people in our communities could better recognize Jesus through the works of his people, meaning us sitting here today or listening online. We came to the conclusion that the apostles didn't recognize Jesus because they weren't looking for Jesus. We made a similar conclusion as a reason they didn't recognize his voice because they weren't listening for his voice. So they weren't looking for Jesus or listening for Jesus because they weren't expecting Jesus. Today we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Chances are pretty good that sinners, those who haven't accepted Christ, aren't looking for or listening for Christ either. Think about it. If they don't believe in him, how can they or why should they expect him? In today's scripture reading, we see a great example of this. Saul was a devout Jew. He loved God and, and lived to serve him. We know he was on a mission to arrest all the followers of this so-called Messiah and put them all in chains. We also know from our readings that Saul was very good at what he did. We begin with Acts 9, 1 through 2. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. <clears throat> we see Paul's commitment and disgust for Christians in verse 1. He was breathing threats and murder against the disciples. He didn't just want them arrested. He wanted them killed. He wanted them murdered. But remember, Saul truly believed he was doing the work of God. Saul was so devout and so good at what he did that 
He simply had to ask for letters to round up these blasphemous followers of the way. He didn't even have to build a case. He was well-known and well-respected by the Jewish leaders. He was also well-known and well-feared by the new Christians. We read on and see Paul head down a road, that road to Damascus, the road where Saul finally met Christ face-to-face, if you will. But he didn't know it was Christ. Now, we know that he called him Lord and asked who he was, but he didn't call him Lord because he thought it was Jesus. The word Lord was used then like we use the word sir today. So we hear the exchange between Saul and Jesus. We know who it is, of course, but Saul did not. Saul didn't know it was Jesus because he wasn't looking for him. He wasn't listening for him, and he certainly wasn't expecting him. We get annoyed with unbelievers sometimes, but that's the truth of it. They aren't looking for, listening for, or expecting one who they don't believe in. Why would they? So just like the apostles on the boat, Saul is consumed with his own agenda and fails to see or recognize the voice of Jesus. But what did he recognize, brothers and sisters? He recognized the works of Jesus, even though he wasn't expecting it, just like the apostles. He recognized the work. Let me take this time to once again, stress the importance of Christians allowing unbelievers to recognize the works of Jesus through us. If unbelievers see us acting the same way we used to, or acting the same way the world acts, what chance do they have of having an encounter with the only one who can save them? The world is quick to recognize the works of the world. Our call is to show them something different. Our call is to show them Jesus. Okay, moving on. Saul is now blind after the encounter. Scripture says he had to be guided into Damascus and neither ate nor drank for three days. Verse 10 tells us, Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. What do we see here? we see a follower of Christ, a disciple who immediately recognized the voice of Jesus. I would guess it was because Ananias was not only looking for and listening for Jesus, but that he was always expecting him. I was thinking when I was, when I was writing this yesterday that maybe we should start declaring for our churches, Middleville and Salisbury Center, maybe we should start saying every week, this is uh, Middleville, United Methodist Church, where we look for Jesus, listen for Jesus, and expect Jesus. You know how we say we uh, expect miracles, recognize miracles, and celebrate miracles? Think about how well that would fit in. This is a Salisbury Center, United Methodist Church, where we look for Jesus, listen for Jesus, and expect Jesus. We might do that in the future. That was just a thought I had. Okay, so Jesus, excuse me, then tells Ananias to go to Saul and lay hands on him. We hear his reaction in verses 13 and 14. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. So what can be assumed from this encounter? We can assume he's a devout follower of Christ, 
because he immediately recognized him calling out to him. We can also assume he was no different than any of us. He was flesh and bones. Jesus assigns a task to him, and the first thing he does is show his fear and lack of faith. He was afraid for his earthly life. I believe we can also safely assume he has a personal relationship with Jesus. If he didn't, I'm not sure he would have had the guts to be honest about his fear and lack of faith. And by his final response, we must assume he trusted Jesus with his life as he agreed to carry out the command to go and lay hands on Saul. Do you think any of this resembles our situation today? As believers, we all have fears and doubts. <clears throat> Excuse me. We all experience a wavering, a wavering of our faith at times. But specifically, could this be a lesson to us who know we are called to witness but fail to because of our fears? I doubt we face any real danger of being killed for witnessing, at least not in America. Sadly, we know that doesn't hold true for the rest of the world. But yet we still fail to go ye and make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Why? Why do we let the enemy put that fear into our hearts and sew our lips closed? Dr. Daryl Stevens says that despite what we might think, being a witness doesn't always mean speaking. That in fact, the moral witness of the church begins with the listening, with showing compassion and caring. He said, to bear witness is to unburden our neighbors from the agony of an untold story. We are called to be present and attentive, to hear one another's stories, and then to care for that story as if it were our own. He tells us to be present and attentive, and if I could, I'd like to add listening without judgment to that statement. We should be present attentive, and when we listen, we listen without judgment. People are tired of being judged. We need to stop doing it ourselves if we have any hope of making a difference for Christ. As we read on in Scripture, Ananias goes to Saul, <clears throat> excuse me, lays hands on him like he was told, and Saul's vision is restored. The truth was revealed to Saul, and he recognized that. And then he went on his new mission for the kingdom. He went witnessing for Christ. But as we know, his mission would not be easy. You see, the community didn't trust Saul because of his history. They looked at his past and made a judgment on who he used to be instead of who he'd become. We face the same challenge as we go about our lives in the community. Jesus faced the same challenge when he went back to Nazareth, and they didn't recognize him as a Messiah, remember? They refused to let go of the image of him as a carpenter's son. And because of that, the Bible says not much work was done there. What a pity for that town. And what a pity for our towns if they refuse to see who we've become since accepting Christ. That's assuming each of us shows them we're new creations, of course. And let's remember as we go ye not to judge and decide who we think is worthy of salvation and who is not. If God could redeem Saul of Tarsus, a man dedicated to destroying those who follow Jesus, 
and then turn him into the great apostle that he was, then there's hope for all of us. The task won't be easy. It isn't easy dealing with people. We know some people like to find fault in everybody around them, but for some reason they just can't find Jesus. We know some people can find the furthest star or planet in the galaxy, but they just can't find Jesus. We know people that can find a deer tracking through the woods and marshes and fields, but they just can't find Jesus. We know people that can find a needle in a haystack, but for some reason, they just can't find Jesus. We are called to help those people. Maybe, just maybe, we can help them find Jesus by recognizing his work through us. And maybe we should simply start by being present and attentive. Teddy Roosevelt once said, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. When people know how much you care, you can begin building the foundations of trust. And if people know you care and they trust you, they'll be more willing to hear that good news that Christ died for them too. I quoted Dale Carnegie before. He said, you can make more friends in two months by showing interest in others than you can in two years by trying to get others interested in you. Let's go out and make some friends this week. And it doesn't have to be new ones. Maybe there's some people we lost contact with or had disagreements with. Let's pray on getting back with them. And then let's work on being present and attentive. We live in a hurting world, brothers and sisters, but we can make a difference in their lives. Let's show them Jesus today. Let's show them Jesus every day. And if and when we make a mistake, because we will, or they make a mistake, let's offer them the same grace Christ offers and continues to offer each one of us. Let us pray. Father God, teach our hearts where and how to seek you and where and how to find you. Though we've never seen you, you are our God and master of our lives. You've made us and remade us, and you've bestowed on us all the good things we possess. But you are still the unknown, for we have not yet reached that for which we were fully made. Teach us to seek you, for we cannot seek unless you teach us or find you unless you reveal yourself to us. Let us seek you in our desiring. Let us desire you in our seeking. Let us find you in our loving, and let us love you in our finding. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, we move to the love feast, so if you have your <coughs> crackers or blueberry donuts or muffins out, let's get them out and break bread and Take a few sips of something as we fellowship together, just like Jesus did with his disciples. As they broke bread, remember this is not communion, this is not the taking of the sacraments, this is just sharing a meal. This is just loving on each other and, you know, maybe encouraging each other and uh, talking about Jesus and loving on Jesus and thanking him for uh, the sacrifice he made for us. Uh, it's, just a, it's just a time of fellowship. So let's eat. Our offerings express our praise and thanksgiving while witnessing to the condition of our hearts 
in our level of faith. We move to the offering, and as I say every week, thank you. Thank you for supporting the church and the communities. What a difference you're making. I, I mean that with all my heart. What a difference you're making. Let us pray. Father God, we live in a world that is far too ready to say that you can't be found, ready to choose punishment over mercy and judgment over compassion. Our world is too eager to put energy into exclusion rather than working to be inclusive of all your children. We confess to you that, like Saul, we've been blind, even in our sightedness, to what you are doing in the world. We need our eyes to be truly open, Lord, to who you really are. Let our blindness fall away and let us see the good we can do through our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and our witness to help usher in your kingdom here and now. May the gifts we give this morning be just the beginning of our availability to be your tools for bringing about the world you desire. We pray it in the name of the risen Christ. Amen. Let us go forth into the world as people of the resurrection, people who can look evil in the eye and see beyond it to the shore in certain day when God shall turn all our mourning into dancing. Let us go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit and practice resurrection. And now receive the benediction. And now, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another and live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Amen. Until we meet again, brothers and sisters, may God bless and keep each and every one of you. Please stay safe and stay in his word. God bless you all.